Hello, what's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of Random Musings with Niladri. Thanks a lot for the feedback on episode 2. Please keep your feedback coming in through the comment section if you are listening on YouTube or through my Facebook or Instagram page. You can also leave a voice message at the link given in the description. As usual, let me start with a quick blurb on what this podcast is all about. While there is so much happening all around us, which impacts our lives in some ways or the other, every fortnight, I will discuss a topic or a subject in great detail and also share my thoughts with all of you. My aim will be to make sense of this crazy world in a fun and enriching way. So, are you ready? Let's get this started. This is the last monologue on the topic of fake news. In episode 1, we took a journey into the 700-year-old history of fake news by going through key fake news incidents in society, politics and sports. In episode 2, we discussed the connection between lies, deception and fake news. We also discussed how fake news has been commoditized now and how the growth of democracy has played a crucial role in why fake news matters now more than ever in the past. In this episode, we are going to understand a few more reasons from a socio-cultural aspect on why fake news has become so critical. We will close the episode by understanding what we can do at an individual level to fight this challenge. For this episode, just like episode 2, let's stay with the same comparison years, 1900 and 2020. Just like in politics and governance, socio-cultural landscape has also underwent a big, big change. How? Let's figure out. We have become a more diverse and accepting society in the last 120 years. Let's start with gender first. It was a predominantly a male-dominated world in 1900 with men enjoying voting rights, better access to education and many, many more privileges. Let's take a data point. In 1900, there were only 5,000 females who earned their bachelor degrees in US. By 1942, this number had gone up to 77,000 females. In 1970, females outnumbered males in US in getting undergrad degrees. And since then, they have always maintained a lead over the male counterparts in US. I'm sure that this type of trajectory is shared by almost all countries. This just goes to show how the world has become more balanced now from a gender perspective. Let's look at other aspects, like sexual orientation and race for example. In 1900, being non-straight carried a lot of social stigma. But look at things now. We have a much greater acceptance for LGBTQ population across most societies. I am definitely not saying that we have reached the point of equality and zero discrimination, based on sexual orientation, but we have undoubtedly made huge progress in the last 50 years compared to any other time in human history. The same story goes for racial equality. We have indeed come a long way in the last 50 to 100 years. I know that there is a long way to go looking at the movements across the world, but nobody will question the fact that today we are living in a relatively more equal society from a race point of view compared to 1900s. Now, you may ask this question, Niladri, 
Why are we discussing gender, sexual orientation and race in context of fake news? See, the point that I'm trying to make is that we are living in a more heterogeneous society and we have started to accept various differences among us. We have more acceptance for genders, nationalities, ethnicities, races, sexual orientations, religions, etc. While this has been beneficial for the world in general, maintaining this diversity comes at a cost. Information veracity plays a big role in maintaining this diversity and in promoting more equality. Today, we have more groups to protect. We have more interests to represent accurately. Let me share a story here. Last year, I was visiting a college in Singapore. And there was an intro session where the challenge given to all participants was that you have to use just one sentence to describe yourself in the most detailed way possible. I still remember how I described myself that day. I said, I am a brown Indian, straight Hindu, married male with a kid working in a technology company in Singapore. Now, looking back on this simple statement, I realize that I was attributing the following dimensions. Race, brown, nationality, Indian, sexual orientation, straight, religion, Hindu, marital status, married with kids, occupation, technology company, and place of residence, Singapore. Each one of the dimensions has different parameters in different sets of population, like in the locality that I live in, in the Singapore city itself, and eventually in the world. The list of dimensions is not exhaustive by any means. It is very common for one group belonging to one dimension to have an adversarial attitude towards the other groups from the same dimension. Let's take an example. Let's think of the dimension of nationality. Let's say that one group of Australians may have an adversarial attitude towards Indians. In this case, the former may resort to spreading false information or fake news, slandering the Indians. This will disturb the balance and harmony of this dimension in my immediate vicinity and ripple effects will be felt far and wide. As we have become more diverse and inclusive, the fault lines of hatred and malice has increased to XPY or X permutation Y times. Information when used as a propaganda, can create cracks in these fault lines. This is where the role of fake news and propaganda comes into play. Commoditization of fake news, which we discussed in the last episode, makes things worse. 120 years back, there were fewer fault lines than today. We have so many ways today in which we can trip and fall due to fake news against a group or a community. To summarize, we can say that a diverse and inclusive society comes at a cost and the cost is to identify and eliminate fake news and maintain veracity of information. Now, let's move on to what we can do at an individual level to stop fake news or at least avoiding getting influenced by fake news. Let's look at how we consume news today. The rise and commoditization of fake news closely mirrors the rise of social media platforms. Many of us, including me, consume news through social media. But what is the problem in that? 
To understand this, we have to understand how social media works. The economics of social media is very interesting. The consumers, the users, they don't pay to the producers of the content. The payment is made by a third party, the advertisers. In such an ecosystem, all that matters is engagement. All creators and producers of content are incentivized to generate more engagement. That's why you hear me requesting to subscribe to my channel at the very end. All that matters in the end, in terms of value creation, is engagement. Reactions, comments, shares, subscriptions, etc. The problem with engagement is that it doesn't always reward veracity. In fact, engagement may do the opposite. As fake news and falsehoods are generally sensational in nature, they help in getting initial engagement. Even when they are proven wrong, they still get more engagement as people try to refute it. Understanding that engagement is the name of the game, we should moderate our consumption of news from social media. We should go back to the very first principles of social media, sharing information about self to the broader world and knowing and understanding what others are doing and thinking in their lives. It is better to regulate the consumption of news only from social media and take user-generated opinions with the biases of the creators. This way, we can keep ourselves protected from the impacts of fake news. Now, let's take a step further. What we can do collectively in this space? The concerning issue with commoditization of fake news, it's not so much the commoditization itself, but rather what this does to real news. The concern is whether real news is actually becoming a luxury. This is where we should focus as a society on how to uplift the real news. Should we go back to the times when we had to pay for news? Well, we didn't entirely pay for it. Remember, the front page advertisements. But still, there was more truthfulness in the print media news simply because, by design, there was no specific narrow target audience. Unlike social media, most newspapers don't target a specific audience of a specific ideology or viewpoint. So they have an implied pressure to maintain neutrality. I have to admit that there is no easy way out as print media is also considered to be quite biased in most countries. While doing my research, I stumbled across this interesting piece. US President Thomas Jefferson, back in the day, advised the editors of all the newspapers to divide their papers into four sections. Facts, possibilities, probabilities and lies. And he said that perhaps the lies section will be the most biggest section. He went on to quip that most truthful part of the newspapers is perhaps the advertisements. The silver lining in all of this is that newspaper biases are studied and are well documented. For example, Gallup conducts a poll to understand newspaper biases in the US. The Pew Research Center conducts media bias studies across the world. I've shared both the links in the description. Using this research, we can do two things. One, we can inform ourselves of the biases. And two, we can also incentivize the newspapers to reduce biases over a period of time or at least start segregating the facts from editorials and opinions. I know it's going to be an uphill battle, but we are up against a big challenge. We just cannot let real news become a luxury. 
we have to fight this one at a collective community level this brings us to the end of this episode and also to the end of the monologue mini series on fake news we started by looking at the history of fake news we moved on to understanding the relation between lies deception and fake news we then analyzed the commoditization of fake news and how eliminating fake news is a very very big cost for democracy we close the monologues today by discussing how diversity and inclusiveness in society comes with the cost of eliminating fake news finally we also discussed on what we can do at an individual and a collective level to stop fake news i hope these three episodes provided you with a point of view on fake news please share your feedback on this topic and please let me know what topic you would want me to pick up next i would also like to take this opportunity to thank my friend sabesachi sen gupta who helped me in preparing for this episode you can find more about him in the description section as always i hope that this episode was both fun and informative so until next time please stay safe and take care and yes don't get influenced by fake news bye